Well, good morning. It is good to be with you this morning. A couple of things real quick. Uh, first, we have these new um, Hydrant Loves Goldsboro car sticker decal, put it wherever you want, but we have those in the store and um, you can get one of those for any donation of any amount from 10 cents to whatever for, to the Dollar Club. Now, if you're unfamiliar, the Dollar Club is our way of meeting needs within the church. So we hear about all kinds of needs from unexpected uh, car repairs to um, medical bills and just all kinds of different things that happen in life. And we do what we can to meet some of those and um, Dollar Club is how we do that. Many of you have committed to a dollar a month for the year or uh, just different ways of giving toward that. So if you want to stop by the cafe store and pick up one of the new hoodies, one of the new hats, or um, just one of the decals, any donation of any amount to the Dollar Club, and you'll get one of those uh, decals. So just wanted to let you know about that. And then next Sunday, we wrap up this series, but we'll have a special guest with us in this first service. His name is uh, Dr. Wayne Schmidt. He is the general superintendent of the Wesleyan Church, of which we are a part. It is, he is, it, sometimes people ask, well, what is that role? And the only way I know how to explain it, and I don't know that he would really love this, but it's kind of like the Wesleyan Pope. He is the, the leader, the visionary leader for the entire denomination. And, um, and he'll be here during first service next Sunday. Um, he'll be a part of our conference and then we'll be staying. So if you'd like to meet him, be a part. Love to see first service packed out next week and be able to engage and hear just a couple of minutes from him next week. So plan to be a part of that. We're excited about it. And um, we'll wrap up this series then. As you heard just a few minutes ago, we are in a series of messages called Misfit. And um, just to remind you of our little diagram, and some of you are like, this is the third time I've seen this. I could tell it to you, and that's kind of the whole idea. If you hear it enough times, maybe you'll remember it. But we said that our world pursues a couple of things at all costs. We pursue success by whatever definition we have, and most of the time, that means achievement or money. I have done well enough in my job. I've earned enough money. I am perceived by those around me as successful. And then there are those who kind of kind of even buck against that, right? Like, no, I am stepping out of that world. I just want to be happy, right? Like, just want to be happy and to be pursuing happiness at all costs, sacrificing anything to feel happy. We sacrifice usually first relationships and community, how many marriages end because someone doesn't make you happy anymore? Again, I've said this over and over again. We're going to spend four weeks delving into it. That's not what marriage is for. You're doing it wrong if that's how you pursue and approach marriage, just to be made happy. Um, so we, we end up sacrificing relationships or we'll delay relationships, 20s and 30s. I'm, I'm focusing on my career right now. I'm not even looking at relationships, not building community. I don't have time for things like church or life group or whatever. I need to focus on my career, my education, or just what makes me happy. And often what ends up happening is we sacrifice in this pursuit our character 
one little bit at a time. We sacrifice our character, who we know we want to be, what we know we value, things like truth and hope and strength and care for others. And we end up sacrificing those things to achieve success or acquire what we think will make us happy. And finally, in that pursuit, we end up sacrificing our connection to God, our very souls. And that this is the pattern we see in the world over and over and over again. But as misfits, we hear God inviting us to work and operate and live in a different way. We realize that life is really found in a connection with God. We were created to connect with Him, to walk in the cool of the evening with Him, to find our identity, our strength, our purpose in the one who created us. If we try to find that source of strength and identity, of love, of purpose, if we let anything else tell us who we are, we end up in this self-destructive pattern trying to prove to ourselves and the world that we are worthy of being loved. Always chased by our shame and the fear that we're not enough. But when we find our identity, our purpose, our love in Christ, in God, and that connection with Him, He begins to change us. And it's really annoying the way He does this, right? Because we look and we're like, God, I'm, I'm with you. I am for you. You're, against, you're for me, not against me. Like, now I need you to be so for me that you've fixed my marriage. You've met my spouse, God. You know I need your help. And now you're like, there's like, how do you see my kids? They're like my spouse. I need you to fix it. And and got my job. You see, you know my boss. You know my boss. I know you're against my boss. I know you're supposed to be for everybody, but I know you're against my boss. Fix my job. Fix this. And he's like, no, I think I'll start somewhere else. I think I'll start with you. And we want him to fix all this other stuff. And he begins to, he begins to poke and prod. And shine a light on dark places within us. And he begins to shape our character. Begins to deal with the the fears and the insecurities, the doubts. He begins to challenge us in our unforgiveness and bitterness. He begins to push against our selfishness and our pride. And invite us to be who we were created to be. So that we can then connect into community and build relationships. Because no longer are we using people to get our success and happiness. Now we value people. And we are for them. And it changes everything because it's in those relationships where we value people that we get opportunities. We get connection, the network. We get the, the, the joy that we were created for. And we finally find significance when we take that success, that happiness, that joy really, and we give it back to God. And we find our identity all wrapped up in him and it comes full circle. But there are ways that we kind of self-sabotage in this process and they work together. It's really kind of interesting to me. The We want to compartmentalize life and we talked a little bit about that Last week when we were talking about spirituality, that we have a tendency to want to separate out our spiritual life. And that's something personal and private. And we don't talk about that. And that's at home or for that couple hours at church or if, it, you know, if it's somebody else preaching that hour at church. And, and we, we, um, we think it's this other thing. But 
Really, none of life works that way. You can't compartmentalize it. We are whole people. And what we find is that our lives tend to work like a, like a bicycle wheel. And this bicycle wheel is rounder than this one, but you get the idea. And our, and our spiritual life is a spoke in that wheel. And, and our, our physical health is a, is a spoke in that wheel. And our, and our finances are a spoke in that wheel. And our relationships are a spoke in that wheel. And our emotional health and our mental health are all spokes in this wheel. And I don't know if you've um, ever owned a, a ridden a bicycle lately that has spokes in the wheel. Or maybe a motorcycle that the wheel has spokes. But they work together to make the wheel roll true is what it's called. And what happens is when one spoke gets loose, it starts to affect the spokes around it. And other spokes get loose. And when the multiple spokes get loose in a wheel, the wheel wobbles. And it won't roll true. But when you get them all tight, just right, then the wheel rolls true. And the same is true in our life. When we have discipline, when we manage and take care of our financial health, we tend to have a better grasp of our emotions. And when our emotions are in check and we are able to identify what's really going on and take care of our emotions, then we tend to react better to the people around us and our relationships are better. And that leads to a better environment at work and parenting and all of these different areas. But any one of them starts to get loose, it affects the others. Discipline is contagious in either direction. When I get more disciplined in my spiritual life, I tend to be more disciplined in my, the care of my body and the care of my emotions and the, and the care of my finances. When I get undisciplined in any of those, think about the season we just came out of. We spent more. We ate more. We fought more. Right? We didn't want to go to work. All of them got a little loose. And then we come to New Year's like, all right, resolution time. We're going to tighten them all at once. And, and we go after it for two weeks. Right? Like I've been waiting. I, I actually, because of Rethink Small, took a few weeks out of the gym and just have been extra careful about what I'm eating. And, because I know it's crazy the first couple of weeks of the year. But by the 26th, next week after Rethink, 27th, it'll be good. There'll be no more people that were the resolution people. They'll be gone, and I can go back to, to the machines. So that's kind of my plan anyway. That's what I'm telling myself. So last week, we talked about our spiritual lives and how to deal with that. And so today, I want to push on one of the two areas that tend to break this whole thing down, that tend to make the wheel run untrue, and you're not going to like me today, and I'm not sorry, because it's true, and it's helpful, and it matters. Now, I'm, next week, we're going to deal with the number one thing that I believe robs people of the life that God has for them, and that's emotional health. 
The failure to deal with our emotional and mental health robs more people of being who they were created to be than anything else. I think the second thing is physical health. Physical health. I told you you weren't going to like me. John, in 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, John is writing to a friend. He says, dear friend, I hope it's well with you and that you're as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. He wanted to know that he was physically healthy, that it mattered. The truth is, we know how to do this. There is no point in me standing up here and talking about discipline in our food and how much exercise we need and the things that we put into our body and whether or not you get eight hours sleep, which is one of the biggest factors in unhealth, by the way. Some of us, like we don't need anything but a nap every day or to go to bed an hour earlier, turn off the TV. But I want to shift focus today and think about motivation and biblical motivation because it's not about how we look not even about how we feel but it's more about who we are and what we're called to be and do because the the truth is we could feel like in this connection with God and and character community that God is calling us to do something but many of us don't have the energy to answer now don't hear what I'm not saying there are all kinds of Factors that, de- that affect our physical health that are beyond our control in this broken world. And don't feel any guilt or shame in those areas and in those factors. Sometimes, just as a simple fact, we get older. If life is good to you, you get older. That was funny. Um, to me, anyway. <laughs> Like, you're alive, that's good. You get older, that doesn't feel good. But the truth is, as you get older, you're not going to do... I can't do what Noah does. I can't do what I did 10 years ago. But I can be the best version of who I am now. And and the, the truth is, God could ask many of us to do things, and we just don't even have the energy. We are not physically capable to do the thing that he is asking us to do. And I really became convicted of this in... In 2010, I was about 50 pounds heavier than I am now. My children were uh, three and one, which is lots of energy, low on the floor, lots of getting up and down, and I couldn't do it. And I was tired, and I was cranky, and it was affecting every area of my life. And I came across this passage toward the end of Jesus' life, and he He asked his disciples to do something for him personally, to do a favor. He takes them into the Garden of Gethsemane and he says, pray with me. Just, I need you to pray with me. And he walks off to go and pray and he needs them to be praying where they are. And they can't. They fall asleep. And he says to them, your spirit is willing But your body is weak. And I just felt Jesus whisper those words to me when it came to the things he wanted me to do, was asking me to do. He says, I know your spirit is willing, but your body is weak. And it's affecting every area 
of your life. Because the truth is, anything God is going to do through you in this world, he's going to do through your body. And like I said, we all know the basics. Put good things into your body in reasonable amounts. Use your body either for work or exercise in reasonable amounts that builds your strength, builds your heart, and keeps you active. We know those things. I don't need to get into the right habits, but I want to go into motivation. So I want to take us to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning at verse 12. We find these words. And he, and he begins with a focus. And the passage is actually focused on how we use our bodies when it comes to sexual immorality. But we'll be able to pull some things out of here that connect to how we use our bodies and take care of our bodies in every way, shape, and form. He says, we can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality because they were made for the Lord. They were made for God. And God cares about our bodies. You know, sometimes when we think about our bodies, we think of it as this physical reality and then there's this spiritual reality. And me and God are good spiritually and I can do whatever I want with my body. I can live however I want. But as long as me and God are good, I can put whatever I want into it, but here he's saying that's not how it works. God cares not just about your soul or your spirit or some kind of unidentified part of you inside of your body. He cares about your bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power just as he raised our Lord from the dead. How did Jesus get raised from the dead? Physically. His body was raised from the dead. It's a new body. It's called a resurrected body in Scripture. It's kind of your body 2.0, but it's still your body. He says, don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Other words, they connected to the body of Christ. Should, his, should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. For scriptures say the two are united in one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. No other sin clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. And that matters to God. How we treat our bodies, what we do with our bodies matters to God. He said, don't you realize your body, not your soul, not your spirit, not your mind, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We talked about this, kind of diagrammed it out, that the first temple is the Garden of Eden, the place where, where the divine and the human interact and intersect. And then there's the tabernacle in the desert, and then the temple in Jerusalem. And then when Christ is raised, now your body is the temple of God, the place where the divine resides, his home on earth, his place to connect with you is in your body. Because the Spirit lives in you and is given and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. 
So I want to talk about kind of six motivations for misfits to care for their bodies and to honor their bodies, honor God with their bodies, to see different ways of doing this. Because it's not about standing in front of the mirror and being confident. It's not even about being happy with the body you have. It's not about any of that. But what is the scripture telling us about the motivation for the care of our bodies, for being healthy, for being strong, for being aware of how we deal with it? And it's really interesting that as he begins to talk about this, and we get just even just a little bit before, he says that he is taking care of his body because nothing can master him. He doesn't want anything else to be his master. We're not meant to let food master us. Or sex or alcohol or drug or going to the gym or anything else. We are meant to be the master. Surrendered to Christ. And so, real quick. Just six motivations from this passage. The first is this. My body is God's property. My body is God's property. We like to say it's my body, I'll do what I want with it. It's my life, I'll live it how I want. But the truth is, when we belong to Christ, our body is God's property. He created it. We didn't create it. We may have ruined it or taken care of it, but he created our body, and our body belongs to him. We don't get to just say, I'll do whatever I want with my body. Everything we have in life belongs to God. There is this principle in scripture, and the old English word for it was stewardship. But a great way for us to kind of think about it is the manager. The manager of the business doesn't own the business, but they have the responsibility to take care of to manage to the best of their ability, and to produce good results with what they manage. And everything we have in life is God's property. Everything was created in him. The money we have, we manage, it belongs to him. The, the life we live is his, we manage it. The body we have is his, we manage it. In Psalm 139 13 through 14, we see that God makes everything for a purpose. Not just our spirit, but our bodies matter to God. He has created them for a purpose. And if we don't take care of them, we are unable to do the, to accomplish the purpose for which he has created us. Like I said a minute ago, everything we do, anything God is going to do through us, he is going to do through our bodies. And it's our responsibility to manage them. Because there will come a day, as we see in the book of Matthew, the the parable of the talents. And some he has given five, and some three, and some one. And there'll come a day when we give an account for how we used what he entrusted to us. And he has entrusted to you. Maybe he's entrusted to you resources. Maybe it feels like not many financial resources, or maybe it feels like a lot. You're going to be responsible to God for how you managed his property. How you managed the opportunities that he gave you. How, he, how you managed the, the, the influence that he gave you. And how you managed the body that he gave you. Our body is God's property and it's not our own. 
It's been bought. The second, God expects me to manage it because it belongs to him. We'll give an account. What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? Did you abuse it? Did you take care of it? Did you beat it up? Did you put good fuel in it? Did you waste it? What are we doing with our bodies? How are we managing this property that belongs to God and has been entrusted to us? When the body stops working, we're done. We get one shot at this. The good news is it's never too late to start. It's never too late to get back on track. It's never too late to take small steps toward tightening up this spoke and seeing how it will affect every other part of our lives. When we feel better physically, we feel better emotionally. We feel more awake and aware and attentive to the things going on around us. When we are taking care of ourselves physically, disciplining ourselves physically, we will be smarter with our money. It's all connected. The third motivation is that this body will be resurrected. I live with this body for eternity. That's a pretty good motivation right in itself. There will come a day when we will be resurrected as the Lord was resurrected. It doesn't matter whether, whether you end up being cremated, lost at sea, buried, and decayed into dust again. These bodies are resurrected. They're, they're a 2.0 version and will be affected and changed. But these are the one bodies we get. We're meant to take care of them, to manage them, to bring the best out of them, to use them for his purpose. Number four, my body is connected to the body of Christ. My body is connected to the body of Christ. Not just my spirit, not just my soul. 1 Corinthians 6, 15. We read it just a moment ago. He cares about how we use our body because it's connected to his own. Really, the truth is, churches should be a, a center of physical health. It should be a place where we not only find healing and hope for our hearts, our brokenness, our souls, but also our bodies, where we are taught how to think about our bodies, how to take care of our bodies in a culture that goes to extremes, to just ignoring physical health, to being over-focused on it. The church should be a place where we recognize this wonderful gift that we have been given and how we manage it matters. What we do with it matters and how it will affect every part of our wellness, our health, our identity. If we begin to take care of ourselves physically. It's not about vanity. But about pointing people to Jesus. It's about honoring God with our bodies. 
It's not about how we look or how we feel, but the perception of God we can create as a people healthy and strong and able to respond to every request that Jesus asks of us. I know, like, this, this is convicting, isn't it? I took a whole class. I saw you know in school, I took a class around Thanksgiving, the worst time ever, on pastors' physical, emotional health, wellness. 80% of pastors are overweight or obese. That's despicable. And I, and I know it's a battle. It's a battle. The meal's out, the time given. Hey, oh, do you feel like exercising? Time away from family to go do that. Do I get up in the morning early? Do I do it at night? Do I find other time? What do I do? How do I, how do I make this decision? Like I don't, you know, I, it's like I want to be healthy, but, you know, quesadillas are unlimited on Thursday at La Paz. Like, you know, it's, I get it. And I, this is an ongoing battle for me. And for me, there was something in this motivation that was very different. Because right? it's not about feeling good, looking good, doing what I, I think I should want to be able to do. But about this body belongs to God. It's connected to him and to all of you in this body of Christ. And I have a responsibility not just to myself or to God, but to each of you, to my kids, to my wife, to the people we will reach, to be able to develop my body so that I can do the most good with it. And we'll all have limitations. We'll all have things that get in the way. We'll all have things that stop us. There would none of us. It's it's not about being you know, big and muscular or thin and trim, none of those things. It's not about the shape of our bodies, but are we healthy and strong? Are we making our individual body the best that it can be? Or am I making excuses? It's not about never enjoying things. The truth is you don't fast during a feast. You, you got a feast. There are things worth celebrating. And there are great parties throughout scripture with lots of food and drink those are a part of it but it's it's how do i live in this rhythm connected to god in my body and it was just this wake-up call for me that this is important and it matters and it will help me to be who he who he created me to be to be able to do the things that he created me to do. And it's not about what anybody else thinks, but, but what is God saying here? Because, and this is the next one, the Holy Spirit lives in my body. Not just in my heart. You know, well, I, I really like hate the, have you accepted Jesus into your heart? Like, where, like, are we making this mess up? Like, I, I hear surrender to Jesus. I hear, like, being born again. I hear dying to him. Like, what is this in my heart mess? The Holy Spirit lives in my body, 
in all of me, in all that I am. It's all this one wheel spinning around, either rolling true or wobbling all over the place, getting ready to cause me to crash. He lives in my body. It is the temple of God. That's where this kind of, kind of cultural language, my body is a temple. But it's not like a temple for me as some kind of God. This is the temple for the Holy Spirit, the place where we interact with Him. How, how would you have reacted if you pulled up this morning... And there was somebody outside painting graffiti on the walls of the church. How would you have felt if there was somebody throwing rocks through the windows? Or kids, what would you have done if there were kids running with permanent markers drawing on the walls? You'd stop it. You'd be angry. You don't treat God's house that way. Every time I eat a whole pizza by myself, I'm vandalizing the body of Christ. Every time, every time we drink too much, we're vandalizing the body of Christ. Every time I refuse to exercise that, my my heart rate goes months without being elevated. Or it's only elevated because I got up out of the chair and I haven't done that enough. If the only iron I'm pumping is that fork... I am vandalizing the body. I am vandalizing the temple of God. It's no different than the graffiti or the rocks through the windows. Last, Jesus bought my body on the cross. The cross tells us how much our bodies matter to God. He allowed his to be broken, bleeding, beaten, crucified to redeem ours. And we are called to honor God with our bodies. Romans 12, chapter 1 tells us, from Paul how to do this is take your bodies your everyday some versions say your everyday ordinary lives everything about it and lay it down as a living sacrifice to God the problem with living sacrifices they can get up off the altar and we run we don't want to lay down our lives we don't want to lay down our bodies we don't want to surrender God this is my body I'll do what I want with it I'll eat what makes me feel good and I'll eat to feel good or to feel better When I feel bad, when I feel happy, I'm going to eat because that's what I want to do. I'm going to sit here. He says, take it, lay it down as a sacrifice. God, this is your body. You bought it. I give it back to you. What do you want me to do with it? How do you want me to take care of it? I mean, it is an act of worship. When you get eight hours of sleep at night, you are worshiping God. When you sit down to that table and you choose the healthy foods, you are worshiping God with your body. When you get up and go to Planet Fitness and get on that stupid elliptical or treadmill and you get your heart rate up and you keep it up, you are worshiping God with your body. You may be cursing your body and that treadmill, but you are worshiping God. When you manage your stress, you are worshiping God. We worship God when we care for our bodies. 
One last thought. In John chapter 5, there's a story of a man who has been broken, his body broken for like 38 years, whole life he's been sick and broken. And And Jesus comes across him and Jesus asks him a question. 38 years, not well, broken body. Do you want, or what do you want from me? Do you want to get well? And it seems like a dumb question, right? Well, of course, I want you to fix it. And some of us, we come to these moments, right? We, we know, like, man, I, I not take care of my body. And he looks at us and says, well, do you want to get well? Do you want it to be different? And if we we're honest, some of us would say, no way. That sounds too hard. I'll keep feeling like this. No energy, tired, hurting. You know, I have um, two herniated discs in my back and a couple degenerated ones. Um, I recently bought one of these things that's supposed to help me in two weeks to begin to fix my posture, which will really help. So we'll see how that goes. Because I have a tendency to do this. And when I'm sitting to do like this, this is terrible. But one of the things I realized, 10 pounds of extra weight is 70 pounds of pressure on my spine. Losing 10 pounds makes my back feel a lot better. And I can blame the disc and say, oh, I've got a bad back. I've got a bad back. I can't do this. I can't do that. But half of it is my own fault. I can make it better with his help if I want to. And he asked us, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Do you want to tighten that spoke and see what will happen in these other areas of your life? Maybe there's just one thing that you could decide to do today to start tightening that spoke. You want to give one? I'll give you one that will ruin every meal you eat. Don't thank God for the food on your plate. Before you order, before you prepare the plate, ask God what to put on it. It will mess you up. Hate it. That one right there is enough. We can go home. <laughs> Maybe don't make any changes to what you eat. But go download the MyFitnessPal app and just track it. Just track it. You put, the, you put the item in, scan the barcode, and it'll tell you how many calories there are in it, and track it. Track it for one month without making any changes. I guarantee you'll make changes. I realized I was eating more in one meal than I should have eaten in three days. Get a workout partner. Commit to just three times a week. Or if you're not even sure where to start, like start by buying a pair of sneakers. If you're in the South, they're called tennis shoes. 
and lace them up every day for two weeks and take them off. And then lace them up every day and go for a five-minute walk or drive to the gym and not go in, go home for two weeks. Now you have a habit of going to the gym. It all starts with putting on your shoes. Maybe just start with that small habit. Sometimes we just need very something very small to get started because we think, oh, I got I to gotta get changed, and then I got to go up there, and then I got to work out, and I got to come back and shower. The whole thing's like three hours. I, just, I don't have that time, and we just don't. But if you're just going to drive there and come back, you don't even have shower. I mean, I guess if it's summertime and 115 degrees, you walk outside and you got to shower. We just all stink in the summer in the south. I'm kidding. Commit to a 30-minute walk three times a week. Um, years ago, when we had little ones, Anita um, started this, because we were both at about the same time. Sorry, if you saw pictures from 2010, I, I tried to get rid of all of them I could, but but um, she would take the baby monitor outside and walk around the property of our, our house, small house, just walk around it for 30 minutes, and then started to run around it for 30 minutes. Now she's doing some high-intensity 30-minute kick-your-butt workout every day. I don't know. It's, it's remarkable. But it all started with just taking the baby monitor outside and walking around the house. See your doctor for a physical. If you're 30 years old and you are not having a physical about every year, you're asking for trouble. You're asking for trouble. I didn't even know. My vitamin D went way down from last year to this year. A little simple thing that makes a big difference. Track it. Be there. Once a year. Set a goal. One small goal. A goal that's good has clear definition and a time limit and it's achievable. Don't say like, I'm going to lose 100 pounds in the next six weeks. Because you're not. You're not going to lose 50 pounds in the next six weeks. But you can commit to 18, 30-minute walks in the next six weeks. It's measurable. You can check it off a list and it's a timeline. And if you get down to the last 18 days and you haven't done any, you better get to walking. Maybe you just decide to stop accepting your own excuses. I'm not strong enough. I'm too young. It's too bad. I hurt too much. I can't. I can't because of this, that, or the other. You're right. Whether you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're right. You will prove yourself right. You can't make excuses and progress at the same time. It's not the way we're designed. You can only make one or the other. You say, well, maybe I can't get out and do the exercise yet. Well, you can control what goes on that plate. It's a place to start. You can control whether or not you make that doctor's appointment. And do the things that he suggests. You can start somewhere. For some of us, it's just walking by the cookie basket. (laughs) Or maybe you're like, we start at lunch. Because I need one more cookie, please. 
This message is not one I ever like to preach. I never feel sufficient to it. I never feel like I do a good enough job taking care of myself to be the one talking about it. This is a battle for me. That's something I pay attention to. Something that matters for the staff. The staff signed a covenant to three workouts a week, every week. And we reimbursed the staff $10 a month. Big reimbursement there. $10 a month to cover a Planet Fitness membership. But the deal is, if you don't keep up your end of the bargain, you don't do 10 workouts, we don't pay. But we agreed to it together and made it a condition of keeping our jobs. Because if we're not physically healthy, we can't do what God wants us to do. We have conditions on emotional health, spiritual health, family health, vacation time. All these things are mandated in how we live our lives. Because it matters. And sometimes we need a little accountability. Maybe it's that partner. I don't, I don't know what your one step is, but just pick one. And commit to start today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Because there will always be another Monday, another holiday, another month. It doesn't matter that today is whatever date it is. The 19th. Right? Yeah. It's the 19th. Don't wait till the 1st. Don't think I've missed it. Bust the statistics. Show up at the gym on the 20th. Everybody will be gone by the 21st anyway. But I, I share this message because I care about you. And I wish I had heard more of them in my early 20s. When my metabolism was still high. <laughs> and, and I still had the, you know, teenager habits. Something happens, you go to college or you just get out of high school and you were really active, maybe an athlete. And so you could eat whatever you wanted. And then we graduate and we stop playing the sports and we still keep eating whatever we wanted. I'm like, what happened? You can do this. Jesus doesn't ask you if you want to get well and then expect you to do it on your own. His spirit is in you. The same one that gave Jesus the power to do every miracle he did. And you may feel like it's going to take a miracle. But he'll help you. He'll be with you. Just ask him, what do you want me to eat today? Don't blame me when you don't like the answer. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for my friends here. I thank you for the bodies that you've given us, that they still are alive, breathing, hearts beating, minds working. Would you speak to us? Comfort those who need to be comforted. Convict those who need to be convicted. Challenge those who need to be challenged. Help those who need help. God, may we depend on you. May we give our bodies back to you, see them as the gift that they are, to be managed, to be cared for, to be developed, that we might be the best that we can be, created, be who we are created to be, and do the things that you created us to do. We ask this in Jesus' name, because we need your help. Amen. Amen. Go enjoy a homemade cookie on your way out. Yeah, I love you. I believe in you.
If you need some accountability on the one thing, shoot me a message. I'll ask you about it in two weeks.